0: Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes and new updates. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in and Google Podcast. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday we'll be having a 9 a.m. indoor service and 10:30 outdoor service in English, and 11:45 indoor service in Spanish. Welcome welcome to week one of a brand new series. So if you are tuning in for the first time, you picked a great week to do it because we're jumping in to a brand new series today. And before we do that, before we do that, uh, I want to begin uh, today with a story. I want to tell you the story of my friend Stacy. My friend Stacy, he wasn't just my friend, he was a faithful part of this church for decades. And I say decades because I'm not trying to call him old, you know, but, but he... He's been a faithful part of this church for many, many, many years. He served in, in our recovery ministry, Celebrate Recovery. He served on our shepherding team, making visits to the hospital and people that needed encouragement and support. He served many, many weeks out in the lobby. I can picture his post. up. He'd kind of lean against the wall a little bit, and he would kind of greet people as they came by and welcome people into the building, my friend, Stacy. He dealt with a lot of health problems over the years, some that I knew about, some that I didn't. And those problems kind of kept him from being as present as he wanted to be. But in that season, he became an encourager. And so what he would do, literally, he wasn't physically able to leave the house or to get out and do, but he would have a list of people, and I became one of them. One of what I'm confident is over 100 people that he would text every day, just encouraging them, encouraging them. Just a few weeks ago. I'll never forget where I was standing in my home when I got the call that my friend Stacy, stage four cancer. It didn't look good. In fact, the doctors were already saying he didn't have much time left. And I stood there in that moment. And as a pastor, we get the privilege of walking with people through hard moments. And we get the privilege of journeying with people who are experiencing a lot. But in that moment, I I cried. (laughs) for my friend Stacy. I drove over to the hospital and on the way I I had to kind of pull myself together so that I could walk in and be strong as I ministered to him. And really just two and a half weeks after I walked into that hospital room, my friend Stacy passed away. An incredible faithful part of this church family for so many years. I had the opportunity to help share uh, along with Pastor Margaret at his celebration as memorial service right here in this room. And uh, that morning I got up to close the service. I wanted to close with an important thought. And it didn't take me long to know what I wanted to share as I closed that day. We shared some memories, some reflections, some songs. Pastor Margaret preached a great message. And as I got up to conclude the message, I knew exactly what I wanted to say because it wasn't my words. It was actually Stacy's words that I wanted to share. Because just a few days earlier, after he had passed, we met with the family and One of the boys took out his cell phone. He had recorded his dad in his final day, really, on his deathbed, sharing important words. And I will never forget the words that he shared because as he played the recording, I could hear my friend Stacy and his voice was weak. You could tell he was tired. You could tell that his journey here on earth was almost over. But he turned to his son And in this moment where he just had just a moment to share what would be the important thing that he would want his son to know. And he looked at him. And his son said later, his hand was trembling while he held on the phone and tried to record his dad saying to this. Stacy looked into his son's eyes and said, we are a family of love. I lost sight of that once. Don't let it happen again. 20 seconds, it couldn't have been more than that, but, but Stacy uttered those words and as the boys took out their phone and they played that recording for Pastor Margaret and I as we were sitting there planning this service, they, they just had tears streaming down their faces. They remember what really was their dad's final words, their final exhortation to them. Today, we're beginning a brand new series on relationships. We're calling this series Relationship Rules, and, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But here's what I want you to know, and here's what I think is critical, and here's why I told you the story I told you about my friend Stacy. Because when we are in our final days, when we're laying there in that bed and recording our final words, you know, there's really only uh, two things that will matter. Number one, it will matter if Jesus knows our name, if we have a relationship with Jesus, if 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 we're in saving knowledge and relationship with the God, we, we can know him, we can be in relationship with Jesus Christ. So the first thing that will matter in those days is, does Jesus know us? Do we know him? The second thing that will matter in those final moments will be the quality of the relationships of those that we've loved. Because you can't take it with you, right? All the stuff and all the accolades and all the the fame and all the things that we chase after in those moments of clarity, those final moments, none of that will matter. All that will matter is, number one, if Jesus knows us. Number two, the quality of the relationships we have, and there isn't even a number three that's anywhere close. When it all comes down to it, that's truly what will matter. Why? Because relationships matter. My friend Stacy, right? What did he say in his final words? That we were a family of love and we lost sight of it. We lost focus. Our relationships got disrupted. And in that final moment, you know what he said? Don't let it happen again relationships matter. And that's why, that's why we're kicking off a series throughout the month of September on relationships. To be clear, and I want to be really clear what we're talking about here, we are talking about all relationships. This is not a dating series, right? So if you're hoping to get a Cupid cutie or, or not a Cupid cutie, a COVID cutie, right? If that was your goal and mission and you think this is going to be like dating tips and stuff, you're going to be really disappointed because that is not what this series is about. We're talking about all our relationships. And let's be honest. Can we be honest? Some of us are going to get really blessed when it says people are complicated, right? Relationships are messy, right? There's heartbreak and conflict and tension and frustration that comes with relationships. And sometimes we just want to say, can't it just be me and Jesus? Can't I just love him and, do, and, and forget all about the people? And there's days I would say, yeah, amen, hallelujah to that. But relationships matter. They matter because when they ask Jesus, right, they ask Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Do you remember what he said, right? He, he said, Love God and love your, your neighbor as yourself. We are called, no, 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 we're actually commanded to love one another. In John 13, Jesus said this, a new command I give you. Look at that command, Jesus says. Love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another another. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. How we love the people around us, the people that we like, and even the ones that we don't matter. So here's what we're going to do over these next four weeks. We're going we're gonna to talk about four specific qualities, four specific qualities. In other words, what we're really going to do is we're going to say, you can't, you can't love one another without committing to these four things. You can't be obedient to Jesus's, not his suggestion, but his command, love one another. You can't do that without committing to these four things. And and we're going to share them as rules, four rules, four guidelines to lead you in your relationships. And so today we come to rule number one. And rule number one says this when it comes to relationships, it's not about me. When it comes to relationships, It's not about me. That is is simple. It's simple. Some of us hear that and we're reading that and we're like rolling our eyes. Like I came for this, but some of us need to write it down anyway because this is simple. But I'm going to tell you, this is profound. This is profound. This is a rule that I'll admit I have known for most of my life, but I will spend the rest of my life with the help of the Holy Spirit getting this one down because rule number one says when it comes to relationships it's not about me. We're going to be uh, in Philippians 2 today. So if you have your copy of Scripture, would you join me there on your YouVersion Bible app? We have an event set up there. I love Philippians 2. One of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's, um, I, I like to take notes in my Bible. In Philippians 2, you can't hardly read. There's just stuff happening everywhere. But we're going to focus on these first eight verses of Philippians 2, and we're going to read a passage written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He never met Christ personally, but after Christ's death on the cross and resurrection, he appeared supernaturally to a man named Saul who was persecuting the church, and that man became Paul, and he became one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever known. And now we're going to read his words, not necessarily written to us, Right? We believe, we believe prophetically, God is using these words for us, but these words were originally written to a church, to a body of believers gathered in Philippi, and now we are reading those words in our context in the year 2020. So he's writing from prison, but he's encouraging a church. And this passage that we're about to read is absolutely a relationship passage. It's absolutely right here in the middle. I'll prove it to you in a minute. This passage is all about relationships. And here in Philippians 2, verse 1 through 8, we see rule number one come to the surface. So if you would, let's read together. Uh, I'm going to start reading verse 1, chapter 2. And and you know me, if you know me at all, you know I'm going to stop several times to talk. Don't get annoyed. Just follow through with me. But I want us to, to dive in deep to Philippians 2, starting with verse 1. Paul says, therefore, if you have... Any encouragement from being united with Christ. What is he saying? He's saying it's about Christ, by the way. It's about him being the focus. Unity doesn't happen uh, in our relationships by just pursuing unity. It it comes from Christ being the center. So he begins by saying, if Christ is the center, if you have uh, encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love we recognize right what happens what's he saying we recognize that when we are loved by God something happens in us something happens in us that when we know that we're loved by him we don't have to jockey for position we don't have to prove ourselves we don't have to see one another as a threat why because we're loved by him so Paul's saying look look look, you have any encouragement from being united in Christ if you have any comfort from the fact that you are loved by him what does he say next? If you have any common sharing in the spirit. What's Paul saying to the church? He's saying there is one spirit. You don't have a spirit, and you don't have a spirit, and you don't have a different spirit. You so in your relationships, in this disruption that you're experiencing in one another, recognize that there's one spirit. And if we have one spirit, I mean, that should help us, right? That should make a difference, shouldn't it? So if there's any common sharing in the spirit. Next, what does he say? If there's any tenderness and compassion. If you have compassion in your heart, if you have tenderness and love towards one another, then what does he say? Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Again, Paul is talking about this disruption in relationships and this desire for unity. And now we're going to see what is the cause of this disruption what is the cause that he's gonna to speak to? Look at what it says in verse three and four. It says this, "'Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. "'Rather, rather in humility, value others above yourself.'" There it is, rule number one, right there. It wasn't even my idea, right? right? "'Value one another, value one another above yourself.'" not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others what is the great disruptor that he's talking about here he's talking about a focus on me right that's what's happening in the church that's what's creating all this disruption in their relationships disruption in the church disruption in the relationships outside of the church it's a focus on me and specifically what's he talking about he's talking about selfish ambition What does that mean? That's working to advance self. That's not working to to advance the cause of Christ. In other words, that's not, God, how can I serve you? How can I love you? That's not working for the cause of the church, of the body, saying, how do we come together to give God glory? How do we work? No, no, no. The, The selfish ambition is about working to advance me, my agenda. Right? And not just that, what else is Paul speaking to? He's speaking to this idea of personal prestige that's made its way into the church. That's infiltrated their relationships. And what is personal prestige? That's a desire for the spotlight. That's a desire for the platform, the applause, the fame, the flattery, the glory. And suddenly, what is the great disruptor? It's this me, 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 me that's made its way into their relationships and now we get the ultimate example we get the ultimate example paul says you can't do that that's not how it is you have to think of others before yourself and now he lays out the perfect example in verse 5 look at what he says in your relationships i promised you this is a relationship passage didn't i i didn't make that up in your relationships Paul says, with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, what does it say in verse 6? Being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. You see... (laughs) Often, maybe it's just me, often we see examples in our life of other people. Maybe you think of examples because we're talking about relationships, right? We talk about relationships, we start thinking of other people. And maybe we think of an example of someone who's really good at looking at the interests of others. I mean, they're really good at, I mean, they're just not selfish people. They're generous and they're kind and they're loving. and, And you think of someone like that and you think, man... That person, right, right? You think of that person, almost like they're extreme. Like, how do they do that? What do they eat for breakfast every day? I gotta have some of that. I wish I could be, but, but here's the truth. Here's the truth of God's word for us. The example of that person looking out for the interests of others, that's not the example of the extreme. That's the standard. That's the standard. And why is it the standard? It's because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And why did Jesus do it? Because that's what love is. That's what love is. In John 15, the Gospel of John, Jesus said it this way. Greater love has no one than this. Lay down his life for his friend. To lay down your life. Jesus is not inviting us to some extreme example oh, that this is just for the extreme the spiritually elite no the call is for everyone to follow after the example of jesus because what did Jesus do? The gospel message is this, that Jesus was equal with God. He was at the right hand of the Father, and he was obedient to become nothing, to become one of us. He was perfect and sinless and holy and good, but, but he, he came down here, and he became like one of us. Imperfect messed up, and though he, he did that, he never sinned, and he lived a sinless life, and he would, he would become obedient even to death on a cross as they beat him and spit on him, and he paid a price for a crime he never committed the entire time. What did Jesus model for us? Putting the interest of others before himself, and that's the standard for us. Do, do you know what, what sin really is? You know what sin really is? It's a focus on self. Almost every sinful act, almost every sinful act begins with a focus on me. And here's the truth. I thought this was so interesting and really, really convicting in my life. The truth is about selfishness. It's a trait we hate in other people, but we justify in ourselves. Think about that for a minute, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to step on your toes today, but, but listen, listen, this is what we do oftentimes, it is with selfishness, we, we despise it and it irritates us, oh, selfish people, but we justify it in ourselves, maybe I'm the only one, so here's, here's the challenge. I was listening to my friend, uh, Josh. Uh, He listens in every now and then. He's a pastor in Pennsylvania, and he was sharing a devotional this week. It really challenged me. He talked about the gospel, and he said the gospel is two things. The gospel is offensive, and the gospel is liberating. The gospel is offensive, and the gospel is liberating. That The gospel, the fact that Jesus came, and he died on a cross, and he rose again, conquering death, and that those who have faith in him and live for him can live forever in heaven with him, right? That the message of the gospel is a message that calls us to die to self. So you know what that is. It offends. It offends us. It offends our self-sufficiency, right? The message of the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, is to offend my self-sufficiency. To proclaim the gospel is to offend my tendency to do things my way. The gospel offends my desire to care about only me. This gospel that we proclaim, it offends my need to please me and serve me and look out for me. The gospel is offensive to a me first life. But you know what else the gospel is? The gospel is liberating. The gospel is liberating the cross of Christ liberates us from those things. It liberates us from having to rely on, live a life that's only relying on my strength. It liberates us from living a life and having to care only about me. It liberates us from my need, no, no not just my need, my addiction to pleasing me and serving me and, and looking out for only me. The gospel liberates us from a life like that. Rule number one says when it comes to relationships, it's not about me. It's not about me. Here's a question I have for us today. What does it look like? What does it look like when each person in a relationship has each other's best interest in mind? I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to think about relationships across the board in your life. What does it look like when there's a relationship between two people? And what's unique about that relationship is that both people are actually looking out for the interest of one another. When each person is abiding by rule number one, what does a relationship like that look like? What does a friendship like that look like? How would you describe a friendship like that? Caring, loving, real, vulnerable, a safe place to be yourself. What about in a family and man, is family messy, amen? Right, right. Some of us, we've been stuck inside with our family so long. We're like, help, please send in the school, right, right? I get it, family is messy, but what does it look like in a family when each person in that family says, I'm gonna take seriously the call to look after the interests of others above my own. What is, what is a family like that? What kind of environment would that foster? How would the dynamic change? What about in a marriage? What what does that look like in a marriage? Where both people, both people are equally committed to saying, I care more about your interests than my own. What about in a neighborhood or a community? What about a group of people? I mean, I picture it, in my, it's, it's beautiful. What about a, a neighborhood, a community where neighbors develop a deep desire to put the needs of each other before their own? What does that kind of neighborhood look like? Imagine incredible strength that would develop. Imagine the obstacles that could be overcome in a relationship like that. I think a relationship between two people built like that could overcome so many things, couldn't it? Now, here's the truth. No one woke up today. No one woke up today and said, you know, I really wanna have some unhealthy relationships in my life. I want toxic, destructive relationships. I want relationships around me that are defined by pettiness and resentment and mistrust and jealous. Nobody woke up and said that today, right? Nobody did. It's almost like a, a journey. This is the analogy I think of often. It's like, it's like the old school compass, you know, before you had a GPS. And I have no idea how to use a compass, but I've been told. <laughs> you have a compass and you're, you're pointing a certain direction. And if your compass is off just a degree or two, right now it may not make a big difference, right? If my destination is this way, starting right now, if I'm just a, if I'm just a degree or two off, it doesn't really matter. It's not that noticeable until... I get further on down the road, further on down my journey. And one day I look around and realize I veered so far off course. I think the truth today for some of our relationships is... We're not totally sure how it happened. We're not totally sure when it happened. But if we begin right now to take an inventory of the relationships around us and we begin to ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, we're not sure when it happened. We're not sure how it happened. But at some point we got a little bit off course, didn't we? Instead of a relationship that's defined by me looking out for the interests of others that me, 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 me began to creep in. Maybe I don't know when, maybe I don't know how, but, but some of us today are looking around and recognizing and realizing that we're a little bit lost. We're a little bit off course, that slowly we've allowed selfishness, the me, me, me monster to creep up within us. The first rule that God would have for us in our relationships is it's, it's not about me. Some of us, that's what we're making it about you've made the most important relationships in your life about me, 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 me. And my promise to you is this, it's a miserable way to live. But the good news today is you can take a step. The good news today is you can correct course. The good news today is not not because of my opinion, not because of what I think. We don't have to ask you, what do you think? What do you? No, we can come back to the truth that God has given us, the blueprint that he has given us, the one that created us and created each and every relationship in our life. We can go to the master and say, Lord, help me course correct my life because I don't want to allow selfishness to take root. I don't wanna live another day with the toxic relationships around me. I wanna do whatever I can today to honor you, Lord, in my relationships. Would you help me take a step? Right now, I don't know where you are, but I know relationships are tough and I know we all have them and I know they're messy for all of us. So I have a feeling that all of us today could take a step. All of us have the opportunity to say, Jesus, make me more like you. Help me to live in my relationships, to reflect more of your heart, more of your spirit. So with that in mind, could I pray for you today? Could I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to come and work, that you would give permission for God to search my heart, and the psalmist said, and reveal, show me, God, anything that doesn't please you and and lead me in the way everlasting. Could I pray that for you and for me today? Let's pray, church. God, I believe today that you care deeply about our relationships. You care deeply about healthy, life-giving, spirit-filled relationships, that, that, that this matters to you. And for many of us, this is our biggest area of need. It's our biggest area of stress. It's our biggest area of frustration. And I believe some of us today have gotten a little bit off course. Maybe we don't know how, maybe we don't know when, but at some point that selfishness has reared its ugly head and it's toxic, it's infiltrated each and every relationship we have. And so tonight we believe through the power of your Holy Spirit that you can set us free to live a life that honors you to have relationships, God, that honor you, that put you first, that put the interest of others before ourselves. Why do we do that? Because Jesus was the standard. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We believe you will. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.